0: Hello, film freaks and list queens, and welcome to A Very Good Year, a new podcast where we invite a guest to pick their favorite year of movies and talk to us about that year and mostly only that year. I'm your host, Jason Bailey, and across the mic and across the country from me is my co-host... Michael Hull. Our guest today is uh, just one of the great pop culture writers of our time. Uh, She's the senior cultural critic for Anscape, formerly known as The Undefeated. She is the 2020 winner of the George Jean Nathan Prize for Dramatic Criticism, a 2020 finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in Criticism and the runner-up for the 2019 Vernon Jarrett Medal for Outstanding Reporting on Black Life. She's also an adjunct professor at the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism and a contributor to NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, and a member of Deep Breath, the New York Drama Critics Circle, the New York Film Critics Circle, the National Society of Film Critics, and the Television Critics Association. This is the lovely and brilliant Soraya Nadia
1: McDonald. Hi, Soraya. <laughs> I sound like I know things and do stuff. And I'm yeah. like, oh. You did all the
0: things. Like, what am I going to do? Leave some <laughs> shit out? I hope out?
1: I can live up to that. <laughs> the thing I dig
0: about about this bio is that usually, like, someone comes on, when we have a critic on it, we have a fair number of critics, because those are the people I can get to come to a show. Uh, and usually it's like, you know, and here are the three critic, you know, film critic organizations that they're members of. And it's like, no, Soraya, is in film critic groups and drama critic groups and television critic groups and she's just taking it all in and that's you know one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on because you are someone who takes it all in and and has sort of from the beginning of your career if I'm not mistaken Um, I, again I did you know when doing my little research making my little bio there I found out something about you that I did not know, which is that you were not originally writing about the arts. You started out writing about
1: sports. I did. Is that correct? Yeah. I, um,
0: okay. So as a, as a film dude, who's always been a film dude and never a sports person, (laughs) uh, I am riveted by this information. (laughs) How did that, how did that happen? How did that change occur? Like, what was that? What was that journey for you as a writer?
1: Um, well, you know, usually what I tell people is that, like, somehow I, I inevitably, like, ended up growing into, like, the person that my parents were <laughs> cultivating from the beginning. <laughs> um, Don't wheel. <laughs> without even realizing it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I um, I really, like, fell in love with sports. I grew up in North Carolina. Um, it was a way for me to connect with my father. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just have one older sister uh, who is 11 years older than I am. And so for most of mm-hmm. my childhood, I basically, like, was an only child. You know, the other sort of, like, through line in my life is, is feminism. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I was, like, very perturbed and bothered at a young age that there were no like play-by-play announcers who were women or right. there were no color commentators you know for any of the major networks covering football who were women um it was like you can be on the sideline and report on injuries and that's it and I didn't want to do that <laughs> yeah um, so I was like I'm going to be the person to change that you know and the other thing like I will be very frank like when you're a horny teenager you're like this is a wonderful excuse to just hang out with hot sweaty dudes and then you like make a little money on top of it all you have to do is like (laughs) write what happened all right sure why not um and like you know like no matter what the job was like there was always a man who was like why are you here like women don't cover sports you know, when I was at mm. the post, it was like, why is a woman answering the phone <laughs> in the sports God section? Because <laughs> like readers okay. would call and ask for like scores of things and stuff. Right. And as soon as they hear your voice, they're you know, it's, what are you doing there when you're young? I don't even think you realize the effect that it has on you because it's just like, it's like you're a fish. And this is just the water that you're swimming in until like you do something else. And then you're like, well, this doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that's where sort of like my mom comes in, right? Because she was a person when I was growing up who was always taking me to the ballet or we sort of like bonded over, you know, someone basically, you know, my mom's Dutch um, and she's Jewish. She did not know how to do African-American hair when she had me. And <laughs> there, are, there are some rough photos of me as a child. <laughs> um but you know, like there was this black lady who lived not too far away who had a daughter who was like my age who taught my mother like how to cornrow. And so when my mom learned how to cornrow in my hair, um I mean I hated it because it was like painful and like, oh God, it was just, it was the worst. But like the fun <laughs> thing about that was that like that was when we would like watch movies together. Um, so, like, we watched a bunch of Barbara Streisand movies together while she was doing my hair. Right. Right? Like, right. or we would watch, like, Dr. Zhivago or Carmen. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom would, like, talk about them. And she had, like, very strong opinions. She had very strong opinions about composers. And, and there, you know, there's, like, always something new to find out and, like, some new world to learn about and sort of, like, drop yourself into, uh... And so that's basically like that ended up, you know, sort of informing my my career. <laughs> and here you are. And here I am. <laughs> here you are. And you've done
0: all the things. It's a beautiful done story. All the things. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. Um, so you write about film uh, beautifully and insightfully and and bringing all of that life experience to bear. Uh, so we're so glad to have you on. Um, tell us what year you chose to talk about today and
1: what. So I chose 1978 and I will admit, I kind of worked backward. Mm. Um, You know, like there was like, okay, what's the one film? Like, I know I want to talk about, and then I'll just find like four others from the (laughs) same year. Um, And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing 1978.
0: (laughs) Guess so. All right. Well, let's put a pin in that. Let's, and let's start with that when we do our top five. But before we do, let's, uh, let's get a, let's get a peek at what was happening outside of, uh, Sunrock Concerts. (laughs) uh, Here's Mike with some headlines.
2: Last February, film director Roman Polanski fled Los Angeles for Paris, the night before he was to be sentenced for having had unlawful sexual intercourse with a 13-year-old girl. He had given her champagne and a quaalude during their encounter. In February, Roman Polanski skipped bail and fled to France after pleading guilty to having sex with a child. So...
0: Here's the thing about Roman Polanski.
2: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> he shouldn't have done that. Okay. <laughs> that's, go ahead. Yeah, that's pretty much the thing. He right? <laughs> <Should've laughs>
3: shouldn't have yep. fucking done it. I mean,
2: it's really the only All thing. Right. Uh, there the you first go. GPS satellite mm-hmm. uh, was launched in the U.S. That's pretty cool. I think they All were right. still testing it out. Uh, March first, Charlie yep. Chaplin's coffin. Charlie Chaplin's coffin, like any story that starts with the words Charlie Chaplin's coffin is going to be weird, (laughs) is stolen, just keeps getting weirder, from a Swiss cemetery three months after he was (laughs) buried. After recovery, a few weeks later, the casket was sealed in a concrete vault prior to reburial because that would be too heavy to carry away, I guess. Why the fuck would they steal his coffin, Jason? Jason. Mike, there's there's a certain
0: insinuation in your tone, and I don't care for it. Um, <laughs> I have spoken to the authorities on numerous occasions. My whereabouts on March 1st, 1978, are fully accounted for. Uh, and I'd like to
2: move on. Thanks. You are the biggest Chaplin fan I know, so <laughs> I, I think it's Doesn't worth- Doesn't mean I stole his coffin from a Swiss
0: cemetery,
3: Mike.
2: Fair. Carl Walenda of the Flying Walendas died when he fell off a tightrope that was strung between two hotels in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I don't mean between, like, the second floor. Yeah. I mean the fucking top. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah. this, this would have really little to no impact on the world, but it is an interesting rabbit hole if you want to go down a Flying Walenda hole someday. And if you're so inclined, there is video of him falling off of this tightrope because he wasn't supposed to do that. So the news was there. Mm-hmm. I am scared enough of heights. I do not want to see that video. Dude, and you're watching it and you're kind of like, bro, I don't, I'm sorry, but like, what did you think was going to happen? Anyway, (laughs) uh, the first Unabomber attack was in 1978, wounding a security guard at Northwestern University, who I'm sure was instrumental to whatever crazy Uncle Ted was mad about that day. Hmm. Uh, The first baby was successfully born through IVF in 1978. So that's awesome. Muzzle talk. Yeah. There's now lots yeah. of babies that have been born that way. Yeah, muzzle. Yeah. The rainbow flag was flown for the first time in its original form at the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day Parade, designed by a gay man from Parsons, Kansas, named Gilbert Baker.
0: Parsons, Kansas.
2: Yay. There you go. Shout out to Kansas. Wow. Uh, who was challenged by Harvey Milk to come up with a symbol of pride for the gay community. And it has been making awful people big mad ever since. Yay. In related news kind of Pope John Paul the first got the really fancy hat on August twenty sixth and then died thirty-three days later. So I guess God didn't think that was a good idea. Wait a minute. What is what is the real I'm sorry, I'm not of a Catholic
0: persuasion or terribly well versed. What is the really fancy hat, Mike? He
2: was. He became pope. That's oh, became okay. Pope. <laughs> I
0: was like, I was like, yeah. I was like is that? Like and he picked a new name, Super Pope. Okay, gotcha. And it's actually work. a. Yeah. It's
2: it's in the in the higher in the hat hierarchy. It's actually yeah. not the fanciest hat. Okay. Because there is a sort of like a humility in, involved, mm-hmm. sort of a memento mori involved when you have actually become pope, where you gotcha. like downgrade your hat actually a little bit, as opposed okay. to becoming like king or queen, where then you get the really fancy hat. Huh. But if you know what you're looking at, you know, if you know Vatican fashion, doesn't
1: like Prada make their shoes?
2: Uh in October, President Jimmy Carter signed a bill that allowed home brewing of beer in the United States, and that's why he'll be my guy forever. It just just ruined so <laughs> many suburban conversations. Oh man. I'll just I'll apologize right now because I'm the one who starts and, and encourages and enjoys those conversations. <laughs> bro, what's your A B V, bro? What's your A B V? Oh, that's a good ABV. Yeah, that's nice. You can drink that all day. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring that into our podcast. You were complaining about it.
3: (laughs) Hey, CBS, what's coming on?
2: Friday, blast off to a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special, starring all your Star Wars favorites. Will Chewbacca get home to his planet in time for the big Wookiee holiday celebration? Watch and find out. Then on Flying High, the girls put it on and take it off. You know what?
1: What? I don't think either one of us is going to get much sleep tonight.
2: Join us for a Far Out Friday, beginning at 8, 7 Central and Mountain.
3: You're on. Tomorrow on CBS.
2: On November 17th, the Star Wars Holiday Special aired on CBS. The special gave fans their first glimpse of Boba Fett. A character from the upcoming sequel, but he wasn't enough for the special not to get negative reviews. Have you seen it? <laughs> I haven't. Sorry, have you seen this? I have no. It's literally the worst thing I've ever seen in my I've life. I've heard this. I've heard this. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. is it is a full-on like 70s style variety oh, yeah. musical show. No, B. Arthur's right?
0: in it, singing and dancing. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. Only yeah. the major the, the plot line follows. Chewbacca's family. Yep. Only not Chewbacca. It's his family, and they're waiting for Chewbacca to come home. I shit you not. For fucking Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. the 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 Chewbacca's. On, what do you call them? The Wookies the are Wookiees. Ca- Christian. Okay. So <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, this is a, this is one of the things. This is one of the like basics of the plotline. Yes. It's as it's worse than you think. Oh. No, 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 it's worse than that. Right. Okay. Good evening. It's now four days since five Americans were shot down by other Americans on the airstrip at Port Kaituma, Guyana. One of the dead was Representative Leo Ryan of California. Two were NBC newsmen, correspondent Don Harris and cameraman Bob Brown. They had gone to investigate a cult called the People's Temple, headed by a man known as the Reverend Jim Jones, and they were killed by members of that cult. Appalling as that was, it did not prepare us for what was to follow. 400 suicides and killings. One of the most astonishing stories of our time, perhaps of any time. So then on November 18th was the Jonestown suicide freakout, Uh, but there's no evidence of a connection to the Star Wars holiday special. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in December was the Lufthansa heist at New York's John F. Kennedy Airport, but we don't know anything about that. Just uh, saw a thing in the papers, I think.
3: Jimmy! This is me in the shower.
0: This is me in the shower, (laughs) hearing the radio
3: report.
2: Jimmy! (laughs) Synthetic insulin was developed for the first time in 1978. All right. So that's wonderful. The comic strip John changed its name to Garfield when it went into national syndication for the first time.
0: Wait, it was originally called John?
2: (laughs) And it was mostly about him. Yeah. My
0: my man needed some notes. He needed notes.
2: yeah the value of a good editor and the space invaders video game premiered in Yay. 1978 All right. and was still uh was still a big deal by like 85 86 right sure i mean video games had longer generations yep. then yep. some people got born january jones was born in oh boy you guessed it i'm not even yeah. gonna insult your fucking intelligence by saying yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. ochocinco was born in 78 aj McClain, the third most important backstreet boy Damn. <laughs> ashton kutcher james franco keenan thompson i didn't realize you had a ranking mike i'm sorry i'm still on the back okay go ahead go ahead uh, i'm just trying to inspire sure. what do you call it controversy sure sure french supermodel and my imaginary girlfriend when i was 13 years old Leticia casta good nick kroll bill Hader, zoe saldaña the rapper That's a good, freeway
0: good dream blunt rotation right there i'll take that one
2: but but I but only if Freeway is just freestyling the entire time. <laughs> Andy Samberg, Kobe Bryant, Swiss Beats, Usher, John Legend, Nelly Furtado, uh, Katie Holmes. My imaginary
0: my imaginary girlfriend of, uh, I don't know, secret 99, <laughs> 98, 99, something like that.
2: Comedian turned Churchill impersonator Volodymyr Zelensky. All right. Wow. Running, running Ukraine right now. Yep. Uh, and my personal favorite, Yael Naim who is a French-Israeli singer Mm-hmm. who has a version of Britney uh, Spears' Toxic mm-hmm. that is one of the best songs ever recorded. All right. Wow. And the only death from 1978 that we're going to recognize is Meryl Streep's boyfriend, who is a pretty decent actor in his own right, Mr. John Cazale.
0: Five for five, ladies and gentlemen. Five motion five picture five. performances, five best picture nominees. That's
2: the closest thing Jason Bailey has to a sports stat. That's right. That lives in his head. He batted a
0: thousand. <laughs> That's right. Affirmed under a left hand
2: whip, Allard on the outside driving. Affirmed and Allard heads apart. Affirmed got a nose in front of it. come onto
3: the wire. At the finish line, he's dead
0: tight. Affirmed won it. We
2: had a triple crown winner in '78. Affirmed won the Belmont, Kentucky Derby, and the Preakness, becoming only the eleventh horse to do it and the last until 2015. All right. And there was a World Cup. Congratulations in 1978, but it was shady as fuck. <laughs> Holy granola, what a show. Uh, it was in Argentina, which was it was awarded in 1966 when Juan Perón was president. But by se- in 76, there was a military coup. And by 78, the place was being run by fascista, like shitty, shitty guys, <laughs> right? So it ends up being the first time that a lot of people had heard of sports washing oh. when it was compared to like the Berlin 36 Olympics and like the, the Mussolini World Cup, right? Where And this is something we've heard about with Russia. Mm-hmm. We've heard about China with the Olympics recently. <laughs> Saudi Arabia um, of course the United States doesn't do that we don't kick homeless people out of of course yeah out of the areas where sports no we don't anyway so Never. this is when a lot of people really became familiar with it because Americans could talk about Argentinians right, right? right, right, right. Uh, Argentina did win plausibly plausibly uh but there was a lot of rumors about ref intimidation and of course they have not gotten quieter since. <laughs> Final story from that World Cup was the game ball was the Adidas Tango, an absolute classic banger of soccer ball design. I cannot overestimate the degree to which the Adidas Tango like set the standard for decades after. Okay. That's headlines. Wow thank you
0: mike thank you for that thank you detailed world Cup. see this is the thing some years there is no world cup so we got to get extra details on the years where there are (laughs) all right soraya nadia mcdonald are you ready to do a top five i am ready all right should we start kind of where we where we left off there should our because you, you, we're going to do this in a, a random, uh, just where the conversation takes us order. Yeah. So, uh, Soraya, what is your number five in your top five for 1978?
1: All right. Uh, my number five is Space is the Place.
2: This is Jimmy Fay, Channel 5 Stone Jive, the all-black station for all black people with all the news that grooves at noon.
3: Live from Oakland, California. <laughs> As you are probably aware, several local mystics have predicted a landing from space this afternoon in the person of a black musician
2: and thinker named Sun Ra. He's reported to have disappeared while traveling in Europe in June, 1969. He's reputed to have been traveling in outer space all this time with his intergalactic myth science Solar Orchestra. And upon landing here, will reveal to the world his so-called plan for the salvation of the Black race. Hey, there he is!
0: And, and for, for a listener who hasn't seen Space is the Place, how, how, how would you go about describing it to, to them? you know <laughs> I love the length of this
1: pause <laughs> and because I like I was thinking about this and I was I'm just gonna say it because you know it kind of comes up with these other films too but basically like the wonderful thing about watching them as an adult is you're just like one oh niggas did dogs too <laughs> <laughs> And two, what were the drugs everybody was doing?
3: Yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> because,
1: because they're clearly great. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just like this. It like barely makes sense, right? Like, there's no sort of through. It's very sort of like phantasmagorical and like, um, but it's also like really interested in sort of like you know this. like black pride right like every inch of even though like through the production design um or just the props or whatever right like there's a kid who's reading like amiri baraka like it's (laughs) the things that i i really have sort of come to appreciate about this like wacky ass movie now (laughs) 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 is just like the sort of the door of possibility that it ends up opening for like later artists mm-hmm. um, and again at the Kennedy Center I saw him I saw Sun Ra in the orchestra at the Kennedy Center because they were opening wow. for Solange wow
3: <laughs> yeah
1: it was you know and, right because there is this period like where there everybody is just sort of going like nuts on Afrofuturism right like Janelle Monet, but also like Terrence Nance You know, I'm also I'm like, okay, like we're not just sort of like pulling this out of nowhere. Like, you know, like Sun Ra is kind of providing like a bunch of different um, foundations for people. Yeah. The essay I ended up writing about this was was called Wandering in Search of Wakanda. Um, Mm. You know, and they all, you know, are kind of like focused uh, on these different sort of meditations. Um, Right conceiving of a world it's not even really necessarily without white people so much as it is without white supremacy you know like the <laughs> the violent thing that like fucks everything up <laughs> <laughs> like, i think the reason why i like this movie even though it, it doesn't necessarily like cohere very well uh, you know sure there's something about sort of like the homemadeness oh 100%. of its aesthetics Um, that I find really just sort of wonderful and charming and kind of reminds me of like the aspects of theater that I love so much. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I, I mean, one of the things that I think is so sort of compelling about it is that it, it has, you know, I went in prepared for, you know, all of the sort of sci-fi stuff and the Afrofuturism and all the things that I had heard about, I wasn't prepared for how much it's also just kind of like a sketch movie, that it's really just almost, there's almost like a Kentucky Fried movie quality to it, where they're just trying all sorts of stuff just for fun, you know? And that's... That's really, I think, infectious, and sort of uh, one of the reasons that it has aged as well as it yeah, has. Yeah,
1: exactly. All
0: right. Well, that is a that is a wonderful start. Uh, okay. What is your completely randomly chosen number four movie for
1: 1978? Uh, okay. So speaking of sort of like silly things <laughs> that really like you're just like what. <laughs> Why does this exist? And what drugs were you doing? You know, Uh (laughs) is Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club?
3: (laughs) Peter Frampton, The Bee Gees, Frankie Howard, Paul Nicholas, Donald Pleasance, Sandy Farina, Diane Steinberg, Steve Martin, Aerosmith, Alice Cooper, Earth, Wind and Fire, Billy Preston, George Burns. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. A splendid time is
2: guaranteed for all. Opens everywhere July twenty first.
1: Rated PG. And like, look, I will fully admit that, like, this is I think part of the reason this came to me is because my niece is now like a tween, like they're mm-hmm. twelve, about to turn thirteen mm-hmm. in a couple months. Um, and when I was that age. For whatever reason, I, I don't know if, it, like, I don't know if the nation was just going through a sort of Beatles resurgence. I think that is, like. Oh,
0: that would have been right around the anthology. Yes. So that, that, that is why. Yes. So yeah, the yeah, Beatles
1: yeah. were just freaking everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing about this is that they're, like, they're not in this movie. No. Nope. Right? It's not like, uh, what is it? Hard Day's Night. Um right so it's like some randos the whole thing yes. is random right like the performers are rando like you're in this odd sort of like music man universe you know like <laughs> in terms of the setting it's just like yeah. why um and so you know there. <laughs> I realized so. There's this woman who like picks the band up from the airport, um, and like is driving them along the tarmac in a limo, and um, like she's very, very sort of like distinctive outfit. It's all white. Um, I want to say she's got like a sparkly bow tie. Like she's dressed as a chauffeur. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, I think that's. Isn't that the outfit that they put Lana Kane in? Like, in, like, there's a season of Archer. It's the season of <laughs> Archer where, like, they move to California and, like, the whole season, like, revolves around the biggest yeah. agency. I think yeah. you can also kind of, when you're thinking about Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, you can also kind of think of it as, like, dune, but with better drugs and probably worse hr
0: <laughs> yeah that's gads.
3: yeah that's Gads.
0: yeah um it is definitely the, the the film on your list that was most poorly received in 1978 <laughs> yeah. um, but i will i will i will say this for sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band it is the one film where you will see steve martin perform maxwell silver hammer and in his film debut, and it is even more importantly, the one film where you will see Earth, Wind, and Fire do got to get you into my life. Like, the rest of the movie doesn't even matter because there's four minutes where Earth, Wind, and Fire do got to get you into my life. And every movie should have that. Soraya nadi McDonald, what is your number three movie for 1978?
1: My number three is The Wiz. All, so All across the country, they're lining up on the Yellow Brick Road. The Wiz is... Fabulous. The Wiz is... Wonderful. Great. This is the best move I've seen. The Wiz is... Exciting. Exciting. It is beautiful. The Wiz, it's joy.
3: It's laughter. It's music. It's here. The Wiz,
2: Lady G. Now showing exclusively at the Midland Theater in Dolby Stereo.
1: Yay. This is like it's just canon. Um yeah. like if you are a black person who grew up in America, it's yeah. like your childhood at some point, not only did you see the whiz, but you saw the whiz so many times you got sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Which is fascinating and so important in terms of understanding the shelf life of movies, uh-huh. because when The Whiz came out, it was perceived as a flop. Like, it was very expensive. Yep. Um, it did not make its money back. Uh, so it, of course, became some sort of, like, you know, test case for why you can't mm-hmm. make black movies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but- yes it is it is it is now this like cherished cultural object
1: that is yeah. like, held
0: in such high regard and and yes yes yes
1: like, um it's being revived and, on broadway of course it is like and
0: it will continue to be yes yeah
1: um you know and of course like <laughs> i'm glad like i'm glad we have this touchstone even though like i never got to see like you know, the show, I wasn't even born yet, right? You know, Andre DeShields, shields right. Jennifer Holiday, like all of these sure. amazing, like sort of sure. legendary performers who first, you know, uh, who originated these roles on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, uh, we're sort of back in that like maximalist, cluttercore um, yep. kind of art direction, uh, creative direction, um. You know, the other thing, though, like, as I as I sort of, like, rewatch it as an adult, um, and th- like, there are, like, several levels on which, like, the story, I think, is kind of important to me. Um, mm-hmm. One, I think, like, just as an American, right, because even like The Wizard of Oz is, like, one of those just sort of, like, touchstone movies that everyone just expects you to have seen and fall in love with Judy Garland and, like, You know, it's just sort of endlessly referenced, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You know, and again, like somewhere in my young life, like I learned, I was like, I'm a friend of Dorothy. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Right. The themes of like feeling lost and making new friends and, having compassion for folks mm-hmm. instead of sort of like immediately just laughing at them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the, you know, there were things about it that I saw, like when I was a child, all the subway schemes just like scared the crap out of me.
0: <laughs> oh God. Yes.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like there are parts of that movie there, you know, when you were a child that are like legit scary. Yeah. Um, I think the things, you know, that I see now uh, It feels it, I mean it does kind of feel right For a remake even though I am not a person Who generally is like We should remake things um, Because I can feel myself sort of like Seeing the mistakes That they made and also sure. Like There well, are sort of different directorial choices And I'm like yes. there are like all these things That you could do with cameras now that you could Necessarily do that I was like oh you could you can really, like, Yeah, you can make this epic in this really sort of, yeah. like, wonderful way where it still doesn't necessarily have to be, like, sort of annoyingly glossy.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, and I think that is, you know, I I like the movie a lot and I have a lot of affection for it. And I have affection for it as a Sidney Lumet fan, like, yeah. admiring him trying something that was not him. Yes. Um, But it is certainly feels directed by an outsider. Yeah. And I have you know and it, it does sort of make you wonder how that film would be different, you know, if it were a black director. And um and how what that would strip away and what that would add and I don't know. I that's I think it's I think it's a really compelling question. Um because I do think it's cool to see him do a musical like yeah. the kind of musicals that he grew up watching and loving and so forth and so on. But it's also not, as you've discussed, it's not just a musical. There's a lot
2: happening. It's the Luther Vandross of movies. (laughs) It's a dividing line. Every black person knows The Wiz. And if any white people who know it Know it because of their proximity to black people. Yes, yes. Luther Vandross of movies. <laughs> like I don't know any white. Like it's it's people who like don't know. Oh the Wiz shit! Literally don't have any black friends. There you go. Like you might have black coworkers and shit, but you don't have any black friends. Yeah, and you certainly didn't grow up with any. Yeah. If you've never seen The Wiz,
1: I was I was really wondering like Luther Vandross. where you were going with this because I was like, I'm and like that's... thinking I'm thinking of like fat Luther, skinny Luther, <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> See, right. the fact
2: that you know there's a fat Luther and a skinny Luther tells me also something matters. about you as a person also without matters. any sort of visual representations or any other information. Also matters.
0: Soraya Noddy McDonald, what is your number four movie for 1978?
1: Okay. So my number four movie uh, is Killer of Sheep written and directed by Charles Burnett, a uh, luminary of the L.A. Rebellion coming out of UCLA. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Hey, what's happening? You
0: are not a child anymore. You soon will be a goddamn man. Start learning what life is about now, son.
3: Wait, just one minute
0: you're talking be a man stand up don't you know it's more to it than just with your fist you use your brain
3: that's what you use charles burnett's visionary portrait of life in 1970s la the highly acclaimed killer of sheep tuesday at 10 past 11 on
1: film four um so many things i i love about this film um you know from again like there is they all sort of have like this scrappiness Um, you know, it's not necessarily like, and usually this is the thing with like the things that I sort of have a soft spot for and fall in love with, or very rarely the ones that are sort of clearly like produced in a way where you're just like, oh, they just said yes to everything. Right. (laughs) You know, like nothing was spared. Um, because, uh, like, I think that's just like a really important part of like making... Any kind of art is is mm-hmm. figuring out sort of how to subvert your limitations to make mm. something um that works that is in i suppose you know better than than what we might imagine or um or what you would th- you know basically like you have to keep this thing going instead of just giving up because you can't necessarily do it right so if we, like what that ends up doing, you know, is it forces you to be creative, it forces you to sort of engineer solutions. Um, you know, often when, especially like in filmmaking, you know, where you have like a limited amount of time to shoot something, especially if it's low budget, right? And you're mm-hmm. sort of relying on like your friends and uh people in the neighborhood or what, right? So it's it's got to be something that you can fix, like, in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, like, Killer of Sheep is this testament to this sort of, like, beautiful, not sentimentality, because that feels, like, triacly, like, that's not the right Right. word, but, like, sensitivity. Yeah, humanism. Humanism that Charles Burnett has in um, just sort of, like, the day-to-day Black life that he is capturing on film. Um, you know, there is, of course, like, the scene um, that I love so much where, you know, his main character and his wife are dancing in the living room to this bitter earth, um, which... yeah, And it's funny because, like, sometimes I see that scene and I'm sort of overcome with this overcome by what i see as like romance Mm -hmm. and then there are other times when i look at it and um you know i'm i'm watching this actress uh and there's this beautiful sort of pain and longing um that she's communicating you know because like this isn't necessarily a perfect relationship you know like mm-hmm. she is mm-hmm. she's kind of pulling this person into her
0: you know i've i've been watching a lot of la rebellion lately just sort of by accident mostly because of this show you were on this week mm. and we talked about this a, a few weeks back we had bradford young and uh Ugh. so i so i saw bush mama for the first time which i had never seen and then like a week after that there was uh, a TCM Underground series at the Alamo Drafthouse, programmed by friend of the show Millie Decherico, that included uh, MMA, which I had never seen. Yeah. The thing I came away from all of these movies, or from this sort of crunch of watching a lot of this work all at once, mm-hmm. was this feeling that, you know, everything that we're told about the importance of the of understanding the LA Rebellion and its place in Black film history and so forth is a hundred percent valid. Obviously, but it's it's om- it, that line of thinking almost reduces the notion that like, no, what we're seeing here in the 1970s when the American independent film scene of for filmmakers of any color was very little to speak of mm-hmm. is like this is the this is the roots of American independent cinema period. Like, it's very easy to say there's no Spike Lee without the L.A. Rebellion. There's no Mm -hmm. John Singleton without the L.A. Rebellion. But it's just as accurate to say there's no Jim Jarmusch without the L.A. Rebellion. You know, there's no Richard Linklater without the L.A.
2: Rebellion. Like, these movies are, we talked, are, you know, a a window into black life. And all of that, like you're saying, is all, all of that's real. And also, that fucking series with the engine block is the mm. best film version of The Myth of Sisyphus anybody's <laughs> ever made oh, of man. In race yes. in version. Yes. I mean, like, that is... And that's Heartbreaking. Where, <laughs> right. And, like, you watch that movie and this is something that I don't think any... I don't think our conversation has evolved to the point of having this in a sort of public national discourse yet, but there are black experiences and there are human experiences. Yes. And... And black people should be allowed to make things about human experiences yes. also. that Right. And so this is something that sort of when those, this is a, a very dis, a human experience that is put within a black context, but right. like doesn't have to, we've talked about, um, what was the Brazilian uh, black Orpheus yes. we talked about not too long ago. Right. And you have this like, it's a Greek myth, but it was also a Persian. It's also you know, oh it's yeah. A, it's not the Greeks wrote it down, and that's the version that we got. But right. it's a myth from some, several cultures, and to to see it sort of placed among poor black people in Brazil, it's still the myth. It's the myth is everything. The myth always is right. Yep. The, myth, right. the myth always was. Mm-hmm. It has all the same powers. It's just sort of localized in a different way. Yeah. And to me, like this movie is. You know is is extremely human. Yes. In addition to you know and the things there's so many of the things in this movie that fucking engine block man that shit hurts me (laughs) in my soul in a way that has to be personal in a way that is not sort of me sort of having empathy for my friends right right Right. you know yeah yeah ugh what a movie sorry good
0: movie Lord have mercy (laughs) (laughs) all right Soraya here we are top of the heap. Cream of the crop. What is the number one pick for the year 1978?
1: Okay, so my number one pick for 1978 is Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven.
2: Days of Heaven. The story of a man who had
3: nothing, the woman who loved him. You're crazy. (laughs) and the man who would give her everything for a share of that love. You know what I thought when I first saw you? I thought, if only I could touch her, that everything would be all right.
2: Three people whose destinies joined briefly in a dream. But how long could it last? The Days of Heaven.
0: I want to tell you that when we had Bradford on, he and he had picked 79, he thought Days of Heaven came <laughs> yeah. out in 79. And he was working backwards the same way you were, and when uh-huh. I had to break it to him, that, it, that oh. it came out in 78, he was like, he literally, the entire email reply was just like the crying no. emoji. <laughs> oh,
1: it's okay, it's okay. Like, my bison fam, Bradford, I got you. <laughs> I got you. The two of us, like, Obviously, like we went to Howard at different times, but like I feel like I would be remiss if I did not mention how kind of incredible it is when I look back now that like like the things we just sort of took for granted, like oh, Hallie Grima has a bookshop that like just is across the street right. from campus, <laughs> and you would just like go in there and like have conversations yeah. with them. Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: <laughs> you know. Um, so, so Bramford, I do my best. I got you. Obviously I'm not a cinematographer, but like, but, but I also, I I fuck hard with Terrence Malick. (laughs) Well, and you
0: know, and I feel like the the cinematography for this film is so influential and so sort of omnipresent that like, that, that, that almost is the the, sort of the, the, the door you have to step through to talk about it. Like, it's just, every single frame Stunning. you could you could slap on a wall like yeah. it's just it's just and and but to have that kind of understanding of how you want your movie to look and to feel and also not have it in any way at odds with the story you're going to tell but the way that it that that all feeds into this just this mood which is so specific and and almost indescribable i don't know how how would you yes. what is it that touched that touches you so much about this movie
1: The way he's able to, I think, romanticize the American West, Mm. um, I've had to think about that more critically, right, than Mm -hmm. I did when Mm -hmm. I first watched this film. So now I'm like, where are the Native Americans? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, there's this beautiful scene of, like, all these buffalo, but I'm just like, where... Where are, the, where are the people these people are displacing? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, I'm happy to, like, focus on this love story. And, you know, Richard Gere is, like, gorgeous in this movie. Yeah. Like, goddamn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, but I'm also now, I'm like. Like, I can, I appreciate this aesthetically. And at the same time, I'm just like. I don't know, man, (laughs) you know, um, but of course, you know, but also I think there's a gift in the way that he looks at, um, these spaces, like these Mm -hmm. sort of like these rural spaces that I think is very valuable, um, in the way that he finds the beauty in them, um, that I connected with, because you can't help, but again, like you said, every frame you could just put on wall, right?
0: No. And, and the, the point you made that I think is so valid is, you know, about the idea of just creating things that, that are, that are beautiful, that have that sense of beauty, like whatever you think about the later work. And I've been critical of it at times, oh, you know. Uh, that, as that mission that manifesto is consistent like no matter if he's going one year between movies or 20 Mm -hmm. like that's he he is seeking out beauty in the world and he is capturing it in a way that only he can despite how many imitators there are oh yeah and and putting it out for us all to sort of take in to say like this is this is the world as i see it this is my art as I see it, Soraya, this is a beautiful top five list. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you. Let's find out what films were winning trophies and making money in 1978. Here's Mike with awards and box office. Sell out with me, Sell out with me tonight.
2: Top of the list. Yep. This one's hard for me, but I'm gonna. I, I can do it. I can power through it. <laughs> best picture, best director to Michael Cimino, best supporting actor to Christopher Walken. For the, the one really good scene in the deer hunter
3: okay oh. uh, <laughs> I, I
0: I have I have strong I, I I have more affection for the deer hunter than than Michael Hole does while understanding all all of your complaints uh, <laughs> <laughs> so right where do you land on the deer hunter
2: uh, okay all right
1: I, 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 The I, good
2: scene is amazing
1: yeah I
2: yeah. And everybody knows which ones I'm talking about, which is how you know I'm right. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're, no, it's it's, it's you right. You right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> best actor to John Voight, best actress to Jane Fonda, best original screenplay to Nancy Dowd, Waldo Salt, and Robert C. Jones for "Coming Home."
0: Coming home, I finally watched for this episode not that it wasn't even on the list but i was just like i've been putting off coming home for like two decades let me finally sit down and watch coming home and you know what good picture good yeah. picture, good good hal ashby picture great jane fonda performance and uh, pains me to say it great john Voigt performance holy shit crazy ass john Voigt is so good <laughs> in this movie <laughs> that's just so oh good. god yeah breaks your heart his last scene is like the which is the clip they always show from this movie of him talking to the high school kids phenomenal phenomenal piece of work
1: see now i gotta no but now i i now i gotta watch it because um um
0: worth
2: seeing best supporting actress to maggie smith for california suite
0: Another of these, uh, Neil Simon, uh, uh, well, it's not a triptych. There's four stories. Quad, quad. What is the, what is the four version of a triptych? (laughs) Oh, that I don't know. There's a fancy word that's outside of my grasp. It's wildly uneven, but there is some good stuff in California suite. And she is great in it. Um, Soraya, thoughts on California suite?
1: Also have not seen.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. It's, um, yeah, the Mister Cosby's in it, so it's hard. It's hard to sit through these days. Uh, off we go.
2: Winner for best adapted screenplay is this his first? Yeah. Uh, does Oliver, right? Oliver Stone yep. seems like this is a little oh. early for Oliver Stone to be yep. winning winning Oscars no, for was, Midnight Express. This huh. was his big break.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was was taking that that Midnight Express Oscar. Uh, yeah, tough tough movie, tough picture, tough tough screenplay, but uh, but well done, Oliver Stone. And the best foreign
2: film went to Get Out Your Handkerchiefs,
0: which I've never seen and probably should. Um, And then we we never include best original song, but uh, we've had to the last couple of the last couple of episodes uh, because this is a good one. Oh, best
2: original song, Uh, and also went to the golden uh, got the Golden Globe from Last Dance for Thank God It's Friday. Last Dance (laughs) is an Oscar-winning
0: song, which I somehow didn't know until we were prepping this episode.
1: You know what? Let's dance. Oh, let's dance. All right. Good for her.
0: What else, Mike? What
2: else won awards? It's, uh, up there with that 3-6 Mafia joint. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Other significant award winners. Golden Globe for Best Film Drama and Best Supporting Actor Drama to John Hurt for Midnight Express. Good, good.
1: All right. Great movie.
2: Uh, Golden Globes for Best Film Comedy Musical and Best Actor Warren Beatty and Best Supporting Actress to Diane Cannon for Heaven Can Wait. I like Heaven Can Wait. That is a yeah. very charming... Charming
0: romantic comedy. Yeah. So, so, right, so right you're making a bit of a face. I
1: am. No, I just it's funny because like I like Warren Beatty and then like immediately I'm always like, Oh yeah, Warren Beatty was kind of a fuckboy. But I still like him anyway. <laughs> like it yeah, I just I can't help but not think about it Yes. <laughs> and then it's I'm it's always it. like, no, but I, I do did, I did like yes. that. <laughs>
2: Yep. If we make a trailer for the next, you know, <laughs> next chunk of episodes, Warren Beatty was a fuck boy is definitely a trailer. <laughs> a trailer line for sure. There you go. Uh, tied for Golden Globe for best actress comedy musical Maggie Smith not supporting Weird. California Suite. Category fraud, says I. <laughs> <laughs> the other half of that tie for Best Actress Comedy Musical went to Ellen Burston for Same Time Next Year.
0: Ellen Burston okay. is so wonderful. And I really like Same Time Next Year. It's like it's it's incredibly stage bound. Like you can so tell that it's like a dinner theater perennial. But uh, f- for a stage bound romantic comedy, if you didn't get Ellen Burston and Alan Alda to do it, you should get Ellen Burston and Alan Alda to do it.
2: Golden Globe for the best foreign film went to Autumn Sonata. Go shit. Haven't seen that one. Ooh, Bergman, baby. That that one is tough, but
0: very, very good.
2: Yeah. Great movie. Best film from the National Society of Film Critics? Get out your handkerchiefs. I'm, it's a, a huge blind spot, clearly.
1: Okay, all right. I know. I'm like, all right, I got homework. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Best film from the New York Critics New York Film Critics Circle, nice. The Deer Hunter. That I, that tracks. Nice. People have no taste. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: I need to watch it again as a grown up, don't I? I established this opinion when I was in my mid twenties, and I've so just never, inspired. I've never rethought it. Yeah. Uh, best film from the Los Angeles Film Critics Association was Coming Home.
0: Yeah. See, this was the big this, the stuff I've read because I read a really good Michael Chomino. Um, Biography a few months back from Abrams Press, publishers of my upcoming James Gandolfini biography.
1: Hey, Um,
0: this was like a big like the 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 culture war of the Oscars of for '78 was Deer Hunter versus Coming Home, which like the you know the sort of like reactionary Mm. Vietnam movie versus the hippie vietnam movie and so it's really interesting to see sort of how the dominoes fell in terms of of those kind of choosing upsides and of course of course uh our our friend jane fonda had some had some things to say about the deer hunter you might be surprised to learn uh some interesting comments and uh and so forth uh what was the top 10 like like that year mike
2: domestic box office number 10 deer hunter
0: yep okay
2: Number 9 Revenge of the Pink Panther.
0: Uh mid,
2: mid Pink Panther. Mid clue Fumes, bro. Yeah, fumes. Mid. Yep. Number 8. Speaking
0: of fumes. <laughs> Up in smoke. <laughs> Wait, seriously? Number eight. Number eight for the year. Those movies made hella money, Soraya, and were cheap to make. As you can tell, they
1: were
0: immensely profitable. Yeah, but that was the first one. Uh, Thoughts on Up and Smoke? Do you enjoy the Cheech and Chong pictures? I mean,
1: they definitely make me cringe now, but again, (laughs) you know, it's kind of, would they make me cringe if I was also high when I was watching them?
0: Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. Yep, yep, yep,
1: that is the thing like this is like this is actually this is the hard part about writing about stoner flakes because yep. i tried um <laughs> is you know it's right like it's you can't you can't approach them like sober nope <laughs> yep. and then like Enough. try to take them seriously and write about them like you yep. d- d- like just don't do it
2: number seven jaws 2 you know what not half
0: bad not half bad Jaws 2. It's it's certainly the best of the Jaws sequels.
2: Number six was Hooper.
0: Gotta have a Burt movie in a 70s top ten. You
2: just have to. It's not about a basketball player, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry. Number five, Heaven Can Wait. Yes. Lovely. Uh, the lovely charming, movie charming. Came up before. Yep. Number four, every which way but loose. <laughs>
0: Like, we could talk about the high art of 78 all you want, but the number four movie of the year was Clint and a fucking chimp. Like, that was what people (laughs) wanted.
2: That's what people wanted.
3: Oh, man. Uh,
2: On a much much higher brow scale, number three was National Lampoon's Animal House. Okay, well, that's a vulgar movie that's good. That's a vulgar movie that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I can can respect that. You can respect it. (laughs) Number
2: two. Superman. How have we not gone? versus anybody. Not, we made it. You know, just Superman deep. 7. Just straight up Superman. This
0: deep. This is the probably the most influential movie of 1978 is Superman. The original Richard yeah. Donner. Superman. Okay. So, sorry. Not to bury the lead, but this is the thing to keep in mind. The most influential movie, our idea of a modern blockbuster was the number two movie of 1978.
2: Mike, what was number one? With 159 million, it's 1978 dollars. It was Greece. Greece, ah! Greece outgrossed
0: Superman, and I wow. knew that as a theater kid, Soraya, you would appreciate this.
1: I absolutely what, do.
0: Where do you land on Greece,
1: so, like, I It's my—it's like my sister's favorite movie because <laughs> my sister was born in '73. Mm-hmm. and Grease was like the first movie that she saw in a movie theater
3: yeah
1: and the, you formative. know it's yeah it, just, it imprints right like yep. Yep. and so you know by the time I came along like especially growing up I just wanted to do, I wanted to be like my sister I wanted to hang out yep. with her I wanted to like do everything like her you know like that 11 year age difference she's just like it's impossible for her not to be cool. So, of course, I was like, hell yeah, Grease.
0: <laughs> How's it hold up? How's it hold up, Soraya? Ooh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so Ooh. I mean, okay, so it, it ha- like, certainly, like, it is not the only, like, movie or movie musical with this issue where you're just like, these are the oldest high schoolers. <laughs> like
0: stockard was literally in her thirties when they made this movie
1: what is happening <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um you know and then of course like oh god man yeah it's kind of frustrating because you're just uh, uh, it's so oh america because um, yeah. it's like in a lot of ways it's like it's such a quintessential sort of like feminist backlash movie Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, Sandy is like.
0: Yep. <sighs>
1: <sighs> <laughs> I mean, don't give me like she looks great. Yeah. Like the 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 yep. the the, the, <laughs> the style, the, the style makeover is it yep. suits her. Yep. Um. I. J- Girl, don't do that for a man. <laughs>
0: all right sorry are you you ready to do a lightning round sure okay real simple if 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 you if you have something to say say it if you don't just pass i consulted our our trusty john willis screen world annual with superman himself on the cover (laughs) right on
2: the cover right on the
0: cover so I'm gonna put five minutes on the big clock, and here we go. Richard Pryor in blue collar.
1: Wait, which one was that?
0: uh, oh, uh, with Harvey Keitel and Yafakota were they the were they the
1: oh yeah, Richard Pryor, oh wait, this is a lightning round i'm like, doing
2: fake cocaine in the living room definitely <laughs> fake i'm like how do
1: i how do i keep this short um like is it just yay or nay or or you what
0: could, you could say a few things if you got some things to say
1: i mean hmm.
2: oh you're gonna be terrible at lightning <laughs> yeah
1: I'm like i am yeah this isn't this is not the thing that i'm good at um Anyway, I like whatever. I, I will say this: like if it has Richard Pryor in it, I will watch it. Like for that alone, <laughs> like <laughs> like truly, like just as a window into he. He just takes you so many
0: places. <laughs> he sure does. He sure does. Also unmentioned, but a uh, uh, cast member of the Wiz as well.
3: Uh, yes,
1: literally the um the horn the intro that like introduces the wizard. Like mm. that is the horn intro for Homecoming for Beyonce. <laughs> like the da 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 da, yep. da, da. <laughs> yep. She is, you know, like say what you will about her, but like her skills, her curatorial skills are, yeah, are on point. quite quite solid. She's heard of Luther
2: Vandross.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Paul Mazursky's *An Unmarried
0: Woman* starring Jill Clayburgh was released in 1978. Pass. Pretty Baby, starring Brooke Shields, was released in 1978.
1: Oh, boy. Is this before or after um, the, the movie where she's naked?
0: Oh, this is the one where she's naked.
1: Oh, this is the one where she's naked. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Wait, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of Blue Lagoon.
0: Oh, right, right, right.
1: This you is before it's... Blue Lagoon.
0: Yeah, it sure is. She's disturbingly young in pretty baby
1: yeah, yeah. i oh man Ooh. okay like ethically I'm
0: that could be the whole comment uh, martin squirt says he's the last waltz
1: shit i think i don't think i've seen that i'm like we're, we're I'm wait i was like wait i'm, I'm gone through marty's like <laughs> filmography but That's no not all of concert, it
0: the concert documentary about the band, uh, beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, John Carpenter's Halloween was released in nineteen seventy eight. Talk about your influential motion pictures.
1: God damn, um, that man is responsible for so many nightmares. <laughs> like truly, like I, I, <laughs> he is one of those who I'm just like, like again, I appreciate this job because it has made mm-hmm. me like appreciate him and mm-hmm. like you can't sort of be conversant in like Jordan Peele without looking at Carpenter. Yep. But like growing up, I had the worst goddamn nightmare.
0: <laughs> Claudia Wells' girlfriends. Pass. Billy D Williams as Scott Joplin.
1: Oh man. Oh man. I d- uh-huh. <laughs> that just that makes me smile. Like I eh. it does um because yeah sorry i was trying to be fast okay yes
0: chevy chase and goldie hawn in foul play great
1: little film. oh yeah a cable standby yes yep exactly yeah because i'm pretty sure that's how i saw it
0: yep um ice castles was released in 1978 have you have you seen ice castles no, this may have been uh, this may be the whitest movie that I mentioned on the whole list. Um, Eyes of Laura Mars, starring uh, Faye Dunaway and Tommy Lee Jones, was released in
1: 1978. Hold on, I'm sorry, Michelle Kwan was in Ice Castles,
0: <laughs> apparently. So,
1: okay, I just also right like she's one of those people who's just sort of fixed in amber like she's just been the same age for like you know ever since she did the olympics so i'm just like wait what (laughs) um okay what was the one after that
0: eyes of laura mars with faye dunaway
1: eyes of laura mars did i see those no
0: okay and finally (laughs) I, I I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, Joe Dante's Piranha was released in 1978. Oh have you God! Seen, have you seen Piranha? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's I. That is how I know I don't like gore. <laughs> I, like truly, that I like. I can there. I realized like there are different kinds of of scariness that I can deal with, but mm, mm, no.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did not care for the little fishies chewing on the, chewing on the flesh. In Piranha. Uh,
1: again, <laughs> nightmares. <laughs> Nightmare did, like city. not only nightmares, but like, I, like I did not, I just did not want to set foot in like any sort of natural body of water.
0: <laughs> That's fair. A lot of that happening in the late seventies, the same, same year Piranha and Jaws two came out in the same year. All right. Soraya, a lovely lightning round. Uh if folks would like to to read your work and to follow you on social media, where can they do that? Oh
1: boy. Um so you can read me at andscape.com that is a n d A-N-D, scape, uh no l. Um <laughs> 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 which is a mistake folks are still making, but we just changed our name like it hasn't been a year. So, okay. Yeah. Uh so yes, you can Um, find like the vast majority of my work at Anscape. Um, There are, you know, I've bounced around. There are a few magazine articles you can probably also find um, if you just Google me. And on Twitter, uh, I am at Soraya McDonald. I'm basically just waiting for something to come along so that like I no longer have to be on the (laughs) stupid Elon Musk site. But I'm there now. Um, I'm also same handle on Instagram
0: All right. Uh, I am still occasionally on Twitter as well, at Jason Dash Bailey, as well as Fun City Cinema on Instagram. Mike, where can the folks find you?
2: I am on Twitter at Brainwashed Lib.
0: Here is a brief public service announcement from our friend W. Axel Foley about listening to our show. Head on over to your favorite podcasting app. Give us a star, a rate, a review. Give us a written review and tell us that you love us, because that's what lets people know
2: that we're here.
0: And Mike, before we go, what is your favorite movie of 1978?
2: 36th Chamber of Shaolin, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Bravo. fucking Gone with the Wind of, of Shaw Brothers movies. Like it's, you know, Bravo. if you're only ever going to see one like proper yeah. kung fu movie, yeah, you, you 36 Chamber Shaolin is a good one to go with. How about good, you? P-
0: good pick. Good pick. Mine um, was also my dad's favorite movie of 1978. He hipped me to this one. Uh, a little gem by director Stanley Donan called Movie Movie. Uh, starring George C. Scott and Colleen Dewhurst, an ingenious notion um, (laughs) put out into the world a good uh, 30 years before Grindhouse. Movie Movie is an old school, like 30s, 40s Hollywood double feature. The first half is a black and white uh, boxing melodrama. Uh, <laughs> then there's fake trailers in the middle. And then the back half is a sparkling Technicolor musical. Both films star George C. Scott and Colleen Dewhurst and the other cast members in different roles. It is, a, oh, shit. it is a charming, uh, both send up of those movies and, uh, an affectionate tribute to them. It was really hard to see for a long time. Uh, but as of this recording, it's available on Amazon prime and highly highly recommend okay sweet thank you again soraya Nadi mcdonald for coming on our show thank you so much thank you mike thank you jason and thank you for listening
3: it was a very